Hi, this is Steve Nerlick from Cheap Astronomy. And this is Carnival of Space, number 187. The Carnival of Space was created by Fraser Kane of Universe Today and is now continued by Brian Wang of Next Big Future. If you'd like to be a host for the Carnival, like me, or contribute to it, also like me, why not send Brian an email at blwang at gmail.com. And so, here's this week's entries. Virgin Space Territory may not be virgin much longer. Next Big Future interviewed Virgin Galactic CEO George Whiteside. Although George is in the business of creating suborbital passenger flights at $200,000 a seat, he makes a bold prediction that other operators may be able to provide orbital flights as soon as the next few years. Seriously, that soon. Hot in the city, the urban astronomer alerts us to the fact that it's only 15 days to the messenger spacecraft's planned orbital insertion of Mercury. And it will be a very eccentric elliptical polar orbit, with a periapsis of 200 kilometres and an apoapsis of 15,000 kilometres. This is because although Messenger has a massive heat shield to protect it from the sun, Mercury itself is hot enough to cause the spacecraft problems, so it will just pass in close for a quick look and then shoot away again to cool down. Big, like uber big. Chandra blog links to a cool Total Perspective Vortex YouTube video of objects from the size of the moon up to the whopping V.Y. Canis Majoris, which is a star nearly 10 astronomical units in radius, which is about the distance of Saturn's orbit around the Sun. That's a big Ave Leif J. Robinson. Carolyn Collins Peterson, also known as the Space Writer, writes about how well she knew Leif J. Robinson, longtime editor of Sky and Telescope magazine, who passed away quite recently. Double Whammy. Ian O'Neill from Discovery News introduces us to a double crater on Mars, which must have been formed by asteroids hitting the surface simultaneously because one crater doesn't overlap the other. But when he says two asteroids, it's really probably one that's split in two just before impact. And really, shouldn't it be one asteroid that split into two meteors that then hit the ground as meteorites? I mean, come on, Ian. Have you really thought through the pedantic terminology that's required here? Yes, Ian. Yeah, yeah, Ian. Me gusta mis prismaticos. This one is in Spanish from Vega 0.0. <clears throat> Unos de los instrumentos que más momentos de disfrute proporcionan alaficiando a la astronomía son sin duda alguna los prismaticos. Which I think means one of the instruments that gives proportionally more enjoyment to fans of astronomy are without any doubt binoculars. They're the prismaticos. 
get it? India in space. Parallel spirals. First tried unsuccessfully to steal a book. Couldn't and then had to sit through a talk about remote sensing in space with the Chandrayaan-1 spacecraft, which many better souls than I have also mispronounced. And now, a word from our sponsor. Hmm, a downtown specialist astronomy store. I might just drop in and see if they have anything on sale. But, as I approach the door... Oh dear, I only wanted a telescope I could set up at home. Do I really need the latest go-to mode? Absolutely, madam. You can't hope to enjoy astronomy without the highest quality observing equipment. Oh, but it all sounds so expensive. Great Scott! This looks like a job for the cheap astronomer. Hold it right there, purveyor of unreasonably priced astronomical equipment. It's the cheap astronomer. Oh, yes, but... Ma'am, don't you realize that you can buy a generic brand telescope with all components built offshore in a rapidly growing Asian economy... At a tenth of the price this man wants to charge you. But cheap astronomer, even if the optical qualities of the telescope are barely acceptable, won't a burly constructed mount still let me down? Oh sure, it will jitter like crazy. But after the initial excitement of seeing Saturn, most people's first telescope ends up in the garage anyway. You know, I'm really not sure I want to spend hours outside in the dark looking for messier objects. I think I will start with something cheaper, just to see if I like it. Thanks, cheap astronomer. I do now feel moved to reevaluate the moral basis of my life. If telescopes are cheap and everyone can get to see the universe from their own backyard, isn't that right, cheap astronomer? That's exactly right, Johnny. Cheap astronomy. Building a better world full of crappy cheap telescopes www.cheapastro.com And now, on with the carnival. Mythical Planet Science Backstage discusses the hypothetical, Jovian-sized, Oort-cloud-disturbing object named Tyche. With the use of some interesting spelling and complex math, he shows why it might be there but also shows that there could be several more mundane ways to explain the data. It's a case of Occam's razor says no. The moon or bust. Then Next Big Future is back again, reporting on the recently announced roster of 29 entrants for the Google X Prize. To win the prize, you have to be able to send a robot to the moon that travels at least 500 metres and then transmits video, images, and data back to Earth. So attach an iPhone to a skateboard, and you're halfway there. Yet more moon stuff. And next, remembering how the carnival is run by Brian Wang, Next Big Future reports that a March 2011 Lunar Superconducting Workshop will precede the Global Lunar Superconductor Applications Virtual Workshop in June, as well as an unspecified number of LSAs, that's Lunar Superconductor Application Workshops, in 2012. So basically, lots of workshops on very cold electronics on the moon. And that's it from Brian. Astro Apps Ian Musgrave, 
from Astroblog, who writes with this really strong Australian accent, it's all nasal and twangy, introduces two smartphone Android apps, Heavens Above for Mobiles, and Google Sky Maps. Suitably tech-headed, but kind of cool too. Great Glowing Globs Starry Critters is a website designed to help parents and educators introduce children to the wonders of the universe through some awesome Hubble and other telescope images. This one shows glowing globs of star stuff in the lesser-known nebula of Orion, Messier 43, in an image taken by NASA's Hubble Space Telescope. The better-known Orion Nebula is, in fact, Messier 42. Smart people often look a bit thick in hindsight. Steve's Astro Corner reflects on some conundrums that kept Galileo and Kepler up at night, and for which their conclusions were dead wrong. But hey, people will probably say the same about some of our generation's great brains in years to come. I am not sure what you are implying here. Astrobots on the Moon Beyond Apollo's blog presents a lot of might-have-been Apollo missions that might have gone ahead if the Americans hadn't pulled out after Apollo 17. This mission is an example of a robot-human shared mission where, hopefully, the unmanned lunar roving vehicle can neither control the pod bay door or have extendable claws capable of disconnecting an astronaut's air supply. But, in any case, it never got off the drawing board. Well, that's it. It's been my privilege to host the 187th Carnival of Space. Thanks for listening. This is Steve Nerlich from Cheap Astronomy, www.cheapastro.com. Cheap Astronomy offers an educational website where I never had time to write down the 108th Cheap Astronomy podcast. So, this is it. No ads, no profit, just good science. Bye! Que mas momentos de disfrute pro... 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 p